Hello, I'm Scott and this is Patsy. Hi. We're global partners with Lakeside here in Brazil. We work with a camp called Quest, a Christian Bible camp in the southern part of Brazil. Uh, we've been here now for f almost 15 years. Um, and just before we came here, we actually spent a year with you guys there at Lakeside. Uh, I participated in LDP, which is now called Prosago at Mediba. And uh, we had just a wonderful experience there. Our kids were along and we just, um, just a, a great time. In fact, we got out our pictures yesterday and just had a hoot looking at some of these. Oh, our kids were so little. Yeah. yeah. And now our kids don't even live at home with us anymore. Um, they give you a little bit of update. They Empty all, nesting. They live in Manitoba, uh, the three of them. And our, yeah. our middle son, Muki, he's also married, uh, has a wife that's a Brazilian. So they live there happily and uh, leading their life as we continue on here in Brazil. That's right. Yes. So as the pandemic hangs on around the world, um, Scott and I have been praying uh, and asking God to give us clear direction in ways that we could serve him and also serve others. Um, we run a camp with lots of space and lots of beds and lots of, I mean, a huge kitchen, right? And all these things and so much natural beauty. I'm looking outside our window here, a lot of natural beauty. Um, so we, as human beings, we sort of had a limited view as to how we could use this place, this space um, to serve God. So, of course, we think no, um, we can't have groups, um, but how could we use it for programming for kids, maybe smaller groups? And This is what we're thinking, but God had none of that in mind for us. He actually... <laughs> sent us a fragile woman who was leaving a marriage after 38 years of a lot of abuse and and um, she didn't want programming no actually she wanted silence mm -hmm. and uh, she didn't need food or a big kitchen she needed the occasional conversation um, and she most certainly didn't need much space or because she spent most of her time alone in her room or in nature, just reconnecting with her Savior. Following Jesus doesn't always look the way we think it will. <laughs> in fact, it rarely does. It's true. If there's something that is very difficult for me, and quite possibly for many of you, it is having to give up my rights and my expectations because of changes in circumstance. The pandemic is a good example of that. Yet so many times God shows us the way by throwing circumstances at us that are hard to avoid. Mm -hmm. Over the years, we've learned that fighting God's plan in our lives only frustrates us. So we'd be, we'd be better off surrendering our wills to His, aligning ourselves with what He has planned. So many years ago, Scott and I started waking up. We decided to start waking up and saying yes to whatever God would put um, in front of us during the day. And I will tell you, we do wait often in anticipation to see what it is God is going to ask of us. And I'll tell you, it makes life very interesting, very exciting. In his word, God assures us that his ways are not our ways. That's right. You know how we can be sure of this? Because our ways would probably be comfortable I, for one, would rather have my one day off this week instead of having to drive someone to an appointment. Um, we would always choose convenience. 
perhaps sleeping in our own bed instead of babysitting someone else's children in their home. Yeah. Um, most certainly, we would never choose hurt or harm, or some of us even hard work or sweat over comfort. Maybe, or like helping someone in need with yard work or moving a friend's piano again. Yeah. <laughs> Beth Moore, in her book, The Beloved Disciple, writes, We would always ask that God use the favor of men to increase our harvests, not the fervor of opposition. Mm. How true is that? We want things easy, comfortable, and convenient. So when Pastor Paul invited us to speak to you, he suggested that we choose a topic that, or a lesson that God is teaching us at this moment in our lives. And for the last year, um, past year, we have been spending time in the Gospels, uh, falling in love all over again with Jesus. You know, Jesus really intrigues us. Jesus obviously intrigued a lot of people, shown by the huge crowds that followed him around, um, listening to him, wanting to hang on to every word he said, even though they didn't understand, um, seeing every miracle that he performed. What is it about Jesus that draws us so to him? Andy Stanley has done a series of messages called Faithful, in which he says that Jesus' invitation was simple, follow me. But the church has reduced that sense and just has become, believe in me. We've been wrestling with that, with the difference between those two ideas. Yeah. And how would that play out in our everyday lives? So we decided to reread the four Gospels, or the, the written accounts of Jesus' life. And this morning, we invite you to open your Bibles with us in the Gospel of Mark. Okay, Mark is the shortest Gospel, and you can think of it sort of as the action account of Jesus' life. Mark's account emphasizes, you could say, more of what Jesus did than what he said. And I actually found it interesting that just in the short book of Mark, the words um, at once or immediately, they happen or occur more than 40 times. Um, we thought, why is that? Well, let me introduce you to our friend Peter. Yes, yeah, Simon Peter. He was one of Jesus' 12 chosen disciples. And of the 12, he held a special place in Jesus' heart. Um, for he was often chosen together with James and John to accompany Jesus more closely. Now, Peter was a Jewish fisherman. I'm talking rough, tough, and impulsive. He was quick to give his opinion, and he loved action. It was Peter who jumped out of the boat to walk on the water towards Jesus. It was Peter who used his sword to cut off the high priest's uh, soldier's ear in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it was this same Peter, full of action, who sat down and retold his story to Mark, who penned this gospel. So we thought, let's use Mark's words, dictated by Peter himself, to start our study today. So if you have your Bibles, uh, open in the book of Mark, on the first chapter, verses 14 to 18. So Mark 1, 14 to 18. And this is what it says. I'm reading from the ESV. Now after John was arrested... Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. 
Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. This is the first invitation to Peter from Jesus. And he says, Come, follow me. In this passage, we see Jesus is just beginning his mission to proclaim the good news um, of God, to proclaim that the time had come, that the kingdom of God was near. In other words, the rule of Messiah on earth, promised in the Old Testament and earnestly longed for by the Jewish people, was near, for the Messiah had now come. Now this was huge, this was big news to the Jews of the day. They could hardly believe it. In fact, many of them didn't believe it. But Jesus was not intimidated. He continued, Repent and believe the good news. Repentance was the message that John the Baptist, Jesus' forerunner, had been preaching. Now Jesus adds another command, believe. Repentance and believe really are bound together. They're, they're two things, but they're, they're, there's a knit thing together about them. To repent means to turn away from an object of trust. So something that here that we trust in, that we believe in, that we trust in, we repent from that, we turn from that, and we believe in something else. And the belief here comes to commit oneself wholeheartedly to an object of faith. In other words, to believe in the good news that Jesus was proclaiming meant accepting Jesus himself as the Messiah, as the Son of God. And only by this means in believing in Jesus as God's Son can one receive as a gift the entrance into the kingdom of God. The idea of repenting, turning from one thing and looking to something else. What Jesus was saying here was shocking to the Jews of the time. But Jesus didn't stop there. He made it clear that repenting and believing are merely the first steps in our relationship with him. His next invitation is even more mind-blowing. He looked at Peter and at Andrew and he said, follow me. Two short, simple words, but full of implications. Literally speaking, Jesus was saying, come after me, um, or it meant, like, go behind me as a disciple. Now, there were many other rabbis, as they were called, or teachers um, of the day. And these teachers were well known, and so students would seek them out and would want to follow them. Jesus did things differently. Jesus took the initiative. He went after those that he wanted, and he invited them, follow me. The Greek word used for follow in this context means to give Jesus their full allegiance. Allegiance means loyalty, commitment. Mm-hmm. We are convinced that these first disciples had very little faith because several times Jesus calls them on their lack of faith. Yeah. And most of the time, these men and women had no idea what Jesus was even oh, saying. Oh, you of little faith. Yeah. We... They were a band of clued out disciples, sometimes asking questions amongst themselves because they really were lost in trying to understand him. They just, what did he mean by that? <laughs> so what is the difference then between believing in Jesus and following Jesus. 
both are important and necessary, but we cannot stop after repent and believe. Discipleship or, or following, as it, Jesus uses the word, is the expected norm um, for Jesus. And he says, for all who believe in the gospel. So one without the other is incomplete. We can believe, not even fully understand, but we can follow and learn. You know, this is so important. We want to jump in the same gospel, in the gospel of Mark. So it's still Peter's words being dictated to Mark. Um, in chapter 8, starting at verse 27, I'm going to tell the story to maybe uh, gain some time. But Jesus was walking along with his disciples one day. And he asked them a very important question. He said, but what about you? Who do you say I am? Of course, it was our friend Peter who piped up immediately and said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. So Peter had obviously already repented and he already believed in Jesus. Then Jesus did one of those things that no one understood at the time. He warned them not to tell anyone about him. I mean, these disciples have just discovered the long-awaited Messiah, and they couldn't even talk about him. But that wasn't the only strange thing about this discussion. Jesus then goes on to tell his disciples that he would have to suffer many things. Yes. And he would be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law that he must be killed and raised again on the third day. <laughs> now remember that we mentioned earlier that the most of the time Jesus spoke in such a way that, that these followers had no idea what he was even saying. They rarely understood him. So Mark clarifies something here for, for us in verse 32. And Mark writes, he spoke plainly about this. I mean, he didn't beat around the bush about what was going to happen, about this topic. He made it clear to them what would need to happen. But Peter, who is a lot like us and would much rather choose comfort and convenience, took Jesus aside and started to rebuke him. That's what the text tells us. Now, this is the same Peter who only minutes earlier had declared Jesus as the Son of God. He now believes he has the right to rebuke him. You know what gets me about Peter? Every time I do a personality styles testing, I'm told that I have a personality of Peter. Ah, so many times I find myself putting myself in his shoes. I believe it's not that, it's not that Peter didn't believe in Jesus, but what Peter couldn't connect was his idea of a reigning Messiah and the fame and the glory and the power that was gonna come with that and a dead man. So being a lot like Peter, I'm thinking he didn't even hear the part that Jesus said about the resurrection on the third day. He only heard the word suffer and death, and Peter knew he had to resolve this. This scene is so strong. Yeah. I'm going to re read from verse 33 now. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, so Jesus rebuked Peter. He said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God but on the things of man. Yeah. Ooh, that's pretty strong to be called the devil, the Satan. We need to be on guard with these two things when we are followers of Jesus. First, to make sure we have in our minds the things of God yeah. and not the things of man. 
and thus will not impede God's work in our lives and in the lives of others around us. And secondly, to make certain we are following Jesus and not other men. These other men who can even be believers, but will rebuke us as Peter did to Jesus. After Jesus rebuked Peter, he called the crowd to him along with his disciples. That's the way Mark puts it. This is a very important fact that Mark made sure we understood. What Jesus is about to tell this crowd, including his closest disciples, was not crucial only for them, but for all followers of Jesus, including you and I today. There is the idea here of Jesus calling them closely to give them a very, very important instruction. So the next verse, verse 34, right after he rebukes Peter, he says, And calling the crowd to him and his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So just as repent and believe uh, uh, work together, they're bound together, so are the ideas that Jesus gives us in this verse. First, negatively, we need to deny ourselves. We need to say no to the selfish interests and our earthly securities. This form of self-denial is not to deny who we are as individuals or our personality or our life story, or even to, to deny those earthly things of life, like a good cup of coffee, but rather it is giving up of our self-centeredness, our comforts and our conveniences. And then bound to this idea of denying ourselves is this positive idea of taking up our cross. <laughs> now that doesn't sound super positive, but, but what it is it means is that we then can say yes to God's will and God's way. Um, the whole idea of taking up our cross uh, was a picture in the Roman um, rule of the person being crucified, having to like demonstrate submission to Rome by carrying a part of or its their full cross um, to the place of execution. So in other words, taking up one's cross, as Jesus talks about, demonstrated publicly the submission and the obedience to the same authority, in this case, Rome, that they had rebelled against. So when Jesus asks us to take up our cross, he's saying, before you believed in me, you rebelled against me. Now that you believe in me, take up your cross as in publicly submitting and becoming obedient to me. Uh, Beautiful, beautiful idea. Take up your cross daily and follow me. It implies cost, submission, and obedience. We are not commanded to pick up Jesus' cross, but rather Jesus commands us to pick up our own cross. We do not know what is ahead of us. Following Jesus means obedience to his will as revealed in his word and accepting the circumstances and consequences without reservations for Jesus' sake and for the sake of the good news. Scott and I had often read the calling of the 12 disciples and and heard Jesus' words to follow. Uh, Peter was a great example of someone who immediately dropped his nets and followed Jesus but not without his struggles. Uh, in fact, Peter is known that for the fact that he denied Jesus three times just before Jesus' crucifixion. But Jesus 
our intriguing Jesus, in his great love and mercy, spoke with Peter personally after his resurrection. And he gave Peter the opportunity to confess his love for him three times, the same number of times as he denied him. And this is written in the book of John in chapter 21. So after Peter professes his love for Jesus three times, Jesus says the following to him. So I'm in John chapter 21, verses 18 and 19. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Hmm. This he said to show by what what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Then Peter turned around and saw John behind him. He asked Jesus, well, what will happen to him? Then Jesus says, what is that to you? Don't be distracted, Peter. You must follow me. The first time Jesus called Peter, back in Mark chapter 1, Peter was naive. He was excited for adventure and waiting to see what the Messiah would do to conquer Rome. <laughs> Probably a little interested in the fame that would come with that, the power, the authority. But the second time in John chapter 21, the second time Jesus invited Peter to follow him, a few years and many experiences had gone by and Peter was a different man. This time, Peter was very aware of the cost because Jesus explained to him that he would be crucified to glorify him. He was aware of the cost and it was no longer about his comfort or his convenience, but about submission and obedience to the God who had conquered death, not Rome, death. He had conquered death and was alive again, full of power and authority. Where are you at? in your journey with Jesus. We chose Quest as the name of our camp because we understand that all of us are on a quest spiritually. Some of you may still be living in that self-centered lifestyle and have not repented from it. Some of you may have repented of your selfishness, selfishness and turned your belief to trust in Jesus. Some of you may have already learned over time that repenting and believing are only the first steps in being Jesus followers and possibly you've learned to deny yourself looking out for the interests of others first and some of you perhaps are already taking up your cross walking closely in Jesus footsteps I just want to end with a story of an example of this we did a retreat a few years back where we played the game follow the leader simple game mm -hmm. and I was in the front I was leading we had about 40 uh, 40 teens at this retreat and I purposely went to places where I I stepped in something that a little bit of mud I made a step that was a little bit higher maybe to jump off of a rock uh, to make it a little bit more difficult and we went through the whole process and when we got back to the end I sat the kids down and I and I asked them a few questions and I asked them well where did you step did, did any of you get your shoes dirty did any of you jump off that rock and the few of them that were right close behind me, they said, yeah, I did. I stepped in the mud. Yes, I stepped up on that rock. But the kids that were further behind, mm -hmm. they said, 
I had no idea. I had no idea that you even stepped there. So the idea is when we follow Jesus, the closer we follow behind him, the more certain we will be in where we're stepping. Mm -hmm. If we're further behind, what's going to happen is we're going to follow that person in front of us. But we don't know exactly how close they are to Jesus either. So I want to challenge you. Each one of us need to be challenged to be closer to Jesus, to follow closer behind him so that we're stepping where he wants us to step. Even though it might get our shoes dirty <laughs> or it might require a little bit of effort on our part. So that's the challenge for you this morning. Let's pray together. God, I want to thank you for this opportunity that we have, that each person has, to follow Jesus, to follow you closely. And we want to ask, Lord, that you give us each open eyes and open ears to know how to do that. To deny ourselves, to repent from what we're focusing on, and often that's ourselves, to focus on Jesus, to focus on the person that we need to follow closely behind so that we know we're stepping in the right place to go after you. So God, we ask that you would just bless each one of us today and show us your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.